does some good uh, within our lives, and yet sometimes we uh, tend to be creatures that uh, kind of want something new and fresh. I'm not so sure it's going to be new and fresh, but I trust that it might be at least blessed. In the Gospel of John, chapter uh, 12, uh, as uh, Ken referred to the opening part of which the familiar part of Jesus coming into town on the donkey and the praise that began to be kind of a responsive explosion as the people were singing the praises, uh, which are a lot of those words are taken out of the Psalms, particularly in chapter 118 that uh, Connie had the girls read earlier. Uh, But in the moment of that praise, there was this recognition of Christ Uh, the willingness to give him praise or recognition for who he was. But then it goes on in verse 20 is where I want to kind of pick up and and read a few verses and then jump into um, some thoughts this morning. John chapter 12, we'll pick up at verse 20. Now there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the feast. They came to Philip who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to Andrew. Andrew and Philip, in turn, told Jesus. Jesus replied, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed, but if it dies, it produces many seeds. The man who loves his life will lose it, while the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. Now my heart is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Let's pray. Lord, as we anticipate the life that has been imparted to us, and we ponder the many pieces of information that probably are rather familiar to us, we pray that through your Spirit, you might lay upon us some thoughts that give us some encouragement, some hope, some strength, something deep that continues to lift us in a way and move us into the place where our faith has something solid to stand upon. God, whatever experiences we may be going through as individuals or experiences that we may be going through with one or two other people in our lives, or whether we are aware of some of those experiences that have brought a sense of confusion to the heart, I pray, Lord, that we might be able to set them before you as an offering, asking, Lord, that you might transform those experiences and redeem them in such a way that we find ourselves able to not only glorify you, Lord, for what you've done, but may your work of glorification continue to be established in our hearts and lives. We praise you, God, for today, and we trust by faith that we will continue to praise you on Friday and all the way through Sunday. In Jesus' name, amen. What makes this uh, story rather uh, kind of unique in the unfolding of the drama of the celebration day was the 
day probably began with somewhat a, a thought that it's going to be like any other uh, Palm Sunday. It's going to be simply the preparation of the big feast of Passover and as the typically uh, uh, any Jewish person who is somewhat devout to God would, for the most part, do everything they possibly could, and then more, to get to this feast. It's the great high holy week. It's that season in which the people often came a little bit early in preparation so that their hearts are in the right place by the time Passover happens. And the feast actually is a combination of feasts that unfold of one into the other. And so you have this this setting or this backdrop that kind of set the stage for Jesus to come. And part of that uh, celebration was the laying of palm branches, the waving of praise, the singing of the psalms that uh, Connie had the girls read this morning. The, The hosannas, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. These are all packaged within these scriptures that every year they sang them, they waved the palm branches, they entered in somewhat of a preparatory celebration because Passover is the feast that it's all about. Everything pointed in that direction, anticipated that. The thought that came to my mind as I was preparing is Jesus has probably come into Jerusalem, probably on the same road for 33 years. Part of that celebration, part of that festival, part of the drama that's just like the year before. And yet the key scripture that makes this one so different is found in verse 23. Jesus said, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. And so Jesus not only steps into the drama of a typical, ordinary, common festival celebration, and he simply is obedient to the purpose and plan of God. He gets a donkey, he rides the donkey, and everything changes. It began with a typical ordinary festival that probably seemed to be very familiar or or typical of what every other year was, but now Jesus takes not only the opportunity to express his true identity, but he builds upon the reality that when you ride in on a donkey, it changes everything. There was no donkey the year before. There was no donkey for the last many years before. There was no donkey at any one riding in that. That would be actually extremely rude. It would be extremely out of place for someone to go into this celebration mode and allow any light to be put upon themselves. And so it makes it unique. The second thing was that seemed to escalate the the momentum and praise is that as they came year after year, uh, that Jesus uh, was traveling uh, at this particular time, and he stops at Lazarus' house. Lazarus was uh, raised from the dead not too long before this, and so many of the crowds we find as we look into the details of John chapter 12 is the crowds not only came because the festival was the right time and the right place to be, but the crowds had heard Jesus is at Lazarus' house. 
And so it clearly tells us all those that were there at the time that Lazarus was raised from the dead, they came to see Lazarus. They came to celebrate. And so one party turns into a combination of two parties and the praise begins to explode because not only did they want to see and witness and testify a man that came alive, but they wanted to see Jesus who raised him from the dead. What also tied together with that is for the three years that Jesus ministered, his reputation was growing and expanding. And so people understood that the name of Jesus wasn't simply a name. He's someone who knew someone who's been touched by, by the blessing of Christ. And so it's almost as if everyone somewhere has known of a miracle that was part of their family or part of their city or part of their village Everybody knew the name Jesus wasn't simply just a name. It was a person they could connect with, relate to, and say, this guy truly has changed my life. He's influenced my world. Not only was it the miracles that he had a reputation of ministering to people, but he had a huge reputation that he really loved people. So you can imagine the typical people that were excited about the things of God that was one thing, but now you have a whole new movement of people who always felt they were second rate, they were less than, they weren't as important as. They were simply people that got passed by in everyday living. Jesus had a huge following of people who understood the power not only of what uh, truth was, but the power of this love that flowed from uh, Jesus himself. They came in essence for the purpose of the Passover, but their focus is on the one who is about to reveal himself as that Passover lamb. And so there's many things that tie together that create the beauty or the drama, the unfolding, the excitement of that is not only uh, the story behind there or the history behind theirs, but you begin to see the beauty of the, this reputation. And so Jesus, as he rides into Jerusalem, ironically, was the day that, historically speaking, the people of God were to choose a lamb, every one, for their own family. And the day of selecting the lamb, they were to watch the lamb, they were to make sure it was considered to be sacrificially appropriate, it's supposed to be your best lamb, it's supposed to be a lamb that was perfect without any blemish, and I don't know anything about lambs, so I couldn't tell you a good lamb from a bad lamb, but these people understood the importance of making sure whatever those requirements were, it's one good-looking lamb chop. But what's important is that it's a gift to God, and so the process wasn't about just its appearance. It's the quality that I'm going to give this to God because the blood of that lamb is extremely important. It was the day the people were to say, that's the one. And Jesus rides into Jerusalem and he allows himself to be chosen as the one getting ready for the whole passion and what this is all about. Um, when we think in terms of, of this, we, we fast forward a little bit to the concept of, of the Gentiles or the Greeks it uses in there. 
And these were people that were not officially part of the people of God, but they were those that may have been converted to the ideas of Judaism. They were the kind of people that came for the purpose of worshiping the God of Israel. They were the ones that had also heard that the reputation about Jesus didn't stay right within the, the, that Jerusalem area. It didn't stay within that community. And there's sometimes that your faith gets out of the box. Sometimes your influence or your relationship with God, it starts to, to move out. There's people that hear about not only the reputation of God himself, but they hear about your reputation. They're aware that somehow your connection with Christ has changed you or moved in your life to such a point that those also say, I want what God is doing in your life. I want to hear about the work that God is doing. As we look in, in John chapter 12, allow me to read verses 23 and 24 again. As these Greeks come, they want to see Jesus. And verse 23 and 24, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. What the triumphal uh, uh, Sunday was all about, or Palm Sunday, is Jesus has come to the day, the hour, that he is to be glorified. And that glorification was not only the explosion of praise and the recognition that the one who was so highly valued was also extremely hated. The one who was so precious to so many people, he was really despised by those who believed that it was their responsibility to protect the nation and guide the nation and teach the nations. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified, and this day of triumphal entry and all the noise and the joyful praise would ultimately, prophetically, naturally, whatever, has turned from praise to crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. Part of when we think of being glorified, it's easy to process the celebration and praise. What's not easy to process is how such an awful experience of crucifying the one that the multitudes loved, how would Jesus, in fact, be glorified? Jesus would be lifted up no longer in the voice of praise, that this time he would be lifted up upon the cross. Those of us that have somewhat of an understanding of what Jesus Christ has done for us and his importance and value to us understand his lifting up would not only bring glory to himself and to God the Father, but your life being changed and mine also brings glory to him. The glorification of Jesus would forever be the miracle of how that kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies and yet now produces many seeds. The glorification is the fruit of all that takes place when we think of his death, burial, and resurrection. If you'd like to turn with me, turn to a couple scriptures that I simply want to uh, read as we think about the impact or the fruit of this death of Jesus Christ. How does it bring about a kind of glory of its own in our lives and through our lives. Please turn with me to the first letter of John towards the back of our Bibles, chapter 2. First letter of John, chapter 2. We want to look at verses 1 and 2. 
We understand that death is awful. We understand that it does not seem to be in any way an act of bringing about glory, but the way Jesus was glorified, the hour had come for him to be crushed so that you and I can be renewed and restored. It was he who pays the price so that you and I can go free. It's what he did on the cross that becomes the power source of what you and I will become. It is that glory of him giving himself so that you and I might gain. 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for our also for the sins of the whole world. He cannot speak in our defense unless he pays the price of serving our time and settling our debt. He is glorified in and through his death, but the glory is imparted to you and I. You and I benefit in which we have not simply any sin to our account, but that sin has been lifted, it's been removed, it's been nailed to the cross. And that's the way he has brought in the hour to be glorified is so that you and I might clearly understand what he did for us not only takes away any penalty, but it breaks the power of control and influence over our lives. We understand numerous scriptures speak about it's a clear demonstration of God's love in which he demonstrates it in this, that while you and I were sinners, Christ died on the cross. He gave his life before you and I decided to give our lives. He began to do a new work inside of us long before you and I wanted any kind of change at all. He is glorified in the fact that he is the cause and he produces the ultimate effect of a changed life through that. Ultimately, we recognize that it's by grace that we are saved through faith and it's not of ourselves, it is a gift of God. That is the glorification in which Jesus accomplishes in us. He does that and pays the price so you and I can be free. Jesus not only came to reveal himself as Passover was coming, ultimately he's revealing himself as the Passover lamb himself. He's the one that pays the price. Now, let's look at Romans chapter 8. I realize I've referred to a lot of scriptures. Some of them I want to read. Romans chapter 8, I want to look at verses 1 and 2 because it's extremely important at a time like this as we prepare to celebrate the, the Lord's Supper together, as we partake the holy sacraments, that you and I realize what Jesus Christ did upon the cross by being glorified in that hour, paying that price, is why we celebrate communion. The reason we partake together is not that this very act is going to cleanse us. The cleansing has already been accomplished in Jesus. We come to celebrate. It's a fact. And sometimes our faith wavers back and forth depending on how we, we may feel uh, uh, spiritually strong or weak. Sometimes we think 
about the fact that we feel as if we're closer to God because somehow circumstances have given us that feeling. Other times we feel extremely separated from God because of maybe temptations that you've gone through or, or challenges you faced in this particular week or the last week. It's important to know that Romans chapter 8 was not intended to simply make us feel good. It's to establish a fact that what Jesus did on the cross that one time has created a permanent influence or effect upon our lives. Look at Romans chapter 8, 1 and 2. Therefore, there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. You and I must recognize, and I trust, that it enables us to have assurance to partake of the holy sacraments and celebrate in them, that we are focusing our thoughts upon the one who rode into Jerusalem on the donkey, and ultimately the one that walked down the Via de la Rosa, the road of suffering as he marched towards Golgotha, as he gave his life. It was a continuous victory march, and yet it seems to be a twist and turn of events of such an awful tragedy. But the glory comes when the grain of wheat falls to the ground and it dies. And that purpose is that it would produce many seeds, and your life, our hope, our strength in Christ rises from that and this ultimately is the way he brings about that glory. Well, let's uh, look at uh, um, one last set of verses in Romans chapter 10, 9 and 10. Because we might still feel that even today, in order to be prepared for communion, we might feel like we've got to uh, take some great stand, or we've got to begin to do some things, or we need to somehow respond in this way that's going to be a, a little bit maybe radical or a little bit uh, 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 confident. But as we look at Romans 10, 9, and we'll read down through 13, it's important to know that our faith response our willingness to let us get into our minds and touch our hearts is the way you and I prepare to celebrate what Jesus Christ has done. We can't go out and change ourselves. That's what God does. We can't try to self-improve. That's what God does. You and I might create some kind of response, outwardly speaking, but only God can change the inner condition of our hearts and lives. So what can we do even today in Romans chapter 10, beginning with verse 9 through 13, that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. May I add, Jesus is my Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. As the scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Greek. The same Lord is Lord of all who, and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved.
Let's pray. Father, we pause before you because we recognize that not only have we most likely become rather familiar with this story and its intended influence in our life, I pray that today, by faith, we might realize the beauty of a tender heart that says yes to you, Jesus. The beauty of your personal work in our lives. The blessing the promises that we will not be disappointed, we will not be let down, we will not be forgotten, we will not be bypassed, but we indeed will be called the children of God. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. And I trust as we all have uh, responded in some way by faith in putting trust in Jesus Christ, that we might realize the beauty of being invited together as we celebrate the Lord's Supper together today. I'd like to have the ushers come forward as we help uh, serve these elements. going to hand out the crackers and the juice at the same time, and we're encouraging everybody to hold them till we're all served, and we will partake of them uh, together. Let me uh, hand these out here. Maybe I could get a couple more helpers to, to hold the juice. Let's pray. Father, it's you that came up with this precious way of remembering. It's you, Father, that sent your Son to give his life so that the meaning of this could become meaningful to us. It's you, Lord, that said to remember you And so we come today to acknowledge that though we might still tend to think and weigh ourselves out, wondering where we really stand, I pray that our faith would rest not in our performance, not in what other people think, but our confidence would truly be, we have come to believe. I thank you, Lord, for the sweetness and preciousness of that faith and the beauty of how believing translates into a changed life. Give us grace today. Let your mercy rest upon us. May we remember you in Jesus' name. Bless these symbols now. As we take the cracker, we hold the cup. We would rejoice in what you've done in Jesus' name.
Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, I received from the Lord what I pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do it in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. He wants us to remember his broken body. He wants us to remember some of the details of the cross. He wants us to remember the shed blood. But he, what he wants us to remember most of all because that's what love looks like. And that's the secret to our salvation. It's when it touches our minds, it gets to our heart. That's what life in Christ is about. We remember. We don't remember so much where we've been and what we've done. We've confessed that. And I trust we've come to a point of faith where we believe that as quick as it comes off our lips, it's covered. It just seems strange to think that God's love and his mercy is that great. But that's why it's called good news. It's settled. It's finished. And so we come not only to remember, but then we come to celebrate that these aren't just words that God gave. They're not simply a promise that has no backing it's got a warranty. It's backed up. Our security is in a covenant. God has bound himself to bless us. He's bound himself that the outcome, what he began, he will finish. It's guaranteed. Let's pray. Father, thank you.
once again we say thank you. We can't say thank you enough. But we by faith thank you that what we remember about ourselves we set aside to remember what you've done. May what you've done continue to transform the mind, the heart, our soul. We pray, God, that as we leave, we would celebrate with great joy. It's finished. My life is yours. My heart's renewed. My song will rise once again. In Jesus' name, amen. Take eat, every one of you, but do it in remembrance of me. In the cup, likewise. Let's stand. We always need to celebrate with song, and I trust that as you need to go, we'll keep singing. You keep praising. Jesus is our victory. And I trust that he is our song as well.
One more announcement before you go. Peanut butter Friday and Sunday, please. Don't bring that. I forgot all about that. Yeah, baptism too.